Finding a service solution that helps you keep customers happy can feel impossible. Just like trying to remember the name of that guy you literally just met at a networking event. HubSpot's all-new Service Hub can help, with the service solution part at least. It brings service and success together on one powerful platform, with an AI-powered help desk and chatbot to handle your frontline tickets, so you can scale support and drive retention and revenue. Visit HubSpot.com service to learn more. Good morning, everyone. It's Wednesday, September 20th. I'm Mark Dent, here with Rob Litterst, and you're listening to The Hustle Daily Show. Today, we're going to talk about why Gen Zers want to be influencers really badly, more so than they would want to be astronauts, more so than they'd want to be any number of aspirational careers. But before we get into all the reasons for that, let's talk a little bit about other things that are making headlines in the world of business and tech. All right, starting off, there's some really big news concerning Elon Musk and X. Musk suggested that X may start charging a small fee of like a couple dollars for all users, saying that it is, quote, the only defense against armies of bots. What do you think about all this, Rob? So it's funny. I've heard this floated before. It's a great way to get rid of bots, but I also think it's a great way to get rid of a lot of other users because I think there are a lot of people that are not going to pay. Yeah. I mean, I think the rub against Twitter slash X, whatever we're calling it today, has always been that it's way smaller than the other social networks. And then when you boil that down to the actual power users on X, it's even smaller. Yeah. So I think those are the people that are most likely to keep paying for it. If he, in fact, does want to turn X into this mega buffet kind of destination app like he's talked about before that'll have payment processing and who knows what else, then maybe people will pay for it and then maybe this whole thing would make sense. But he needs to do a lot of legwork on the front end for that to become a reality and I think for people to want to pay up. Right. Well, speaking of X and the website formerly known as Twitter, the former boss, Jack Dorsey, is going to take over as the leader of the financial services app Square. Dorsey, of course, is the founder of Square, so he'll just be going back in charge. Up next, YouTube has demonetized actor Russell Brand's channel in light of sexual assault allegations against him, saying, quote, if a creator's off-platform behavior harms our users, employees, or ecosystem, we take action to protect the community. Moving on, Disney has announced that it will double its investment in parks and cruises, pouring in $60 billion over 10 years. This decision comes amid streaming service struggles that have been going on for quite a while, as well as declining attendance at Disney World in Florida. Following the news, shares of Disney stock fell by about 3%. But Rob, that said, this decision does seem to fit in with the whole, oh, everyone loves destinations and they love experiences and that kind of whole segment of the economy. So do you think Disney is right to invest in this space? I do. So streaming economics are really challenging, obviously. Yes. There's this kind of strange balance that Disney is trying to make right now with their streaming apps, but then also being part of the cable bundle. They're actually really carrying the cable bundle with the SPN. It has, I think, the highest carriage fee yeah. of any channel in the cable bundle. The thing that made me so excited about Disney Plus when they were planning on launching it is they had all of these ideas to give Disney Plus subscribers discounts and promotions for the parks and to really kind of like weave the park experience and other Disney products into the Disney Plus subscriber experience. 
but I haven't heard a ton of buzz around this kind of integrated consumer experience that was getting so much hype right around Disney Plus's launch. So I love the idea of them investing more in parks. I do think the experience economy is only going to continue to grow. I think they are one of the brands that are uniquely positioned to thrive in it long term. They have that kind of mind share, I think, to keep people coming back. But I think they could definitely be doing more with Disney+. Plus. They have these active subscribers and fans that I think they could do a much better job of driving to the parks. Right. And according to the Wall Street Journal, the average line time in early July was 27 minutes per ride. That's compared to 47 minutes during the summer of 2019. So that seems like quite a difference. Prices have gone up considerably, not just since 2019, but even just from 2023 to 2022. So that has, I think, kind of cooled the appeal of Disney to a lot of families. But that said, attendance is up at European parks and Asian parks. So even though domestically, maybe people aren't feeling Disney quite as much, they are overseas. All right, so how about we move on to our main story? We're going to be talking about influencers, and specifically, it's Gen Z really, really wanting to become influencers. So let's go into the data. According to Morning Consult, 81% of Gen Z respondents reported that they follow influencers on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and other social platforms. And a majority of Gen Zers also say that they rely on influencers to learn about new products and make purchasing decisions. All that might not be all that surprising, but I think this is what's interesting and at least a little bit surprising. 57% of Gen Z respondents said they would become an influencer if given the chance, compared to 41% of all U.S. adults, which is still a pretty high number, and 30% of Gen Z respondents said they would even pay to have the opportunity to become an influencer. So, wow. Rob, what do you make of these influencer dreams? I mean, I'm not super surprised by this. It's really wild how fast this is ramped up. I have a quick story about this. So I grew up, I had a neighbor across the street. She's a young woman now. She was a girl, I think, you know, five or six years younger than me. And she grew up, went to college. She met a boyfriend. Her boyfriend proposed to her. And in the time that they were engaged, her dad sat down with her boyfriend and was like, so what are you going to do to support my daughter? And I forget what the exact words were, but he basically said, you know, I think I'm going to like start creating YouTube videos and like maybe start putting music on YouTube and just kind of figure it out from there. And was this guy's name Mr. Beast? (laughs) It was not Mr. Beast. That would have been amazing. It's not Mr. Beast, but the thing is he made it. They both made it. I think she has 350,000 YouTube followers. He has like 100,000 and they have a lot of followers on other channels. And so her dad heard this answer and was like, uh, what? I mean, it's like this is a guy, you know, a boomer who is just kind of like, what is going on here? Like, what are they even talking about? And sure enough, they actually accomplished it. But I look at it from kind of two different ways. It depends what kind of influencer you want to be. Like, I think the power laws for influencers like, you know, the Jenner clan, Kardashian clan are extremely real. And that's a very, very hard path to traffic in. Extremely. I think if you kind of go down like the long tail of influencers and look at the different niches and you can see the kind of like business influencer space growing, I think there are going to be a lot more opportunities on that side going down the road. But a lot of these business influencers now didn't start as business influencers. They did a bunch of things before they became influencers, mastered a craft, whether it be like marketing or sales or finance or whatever. It is a path that is possible for average people in the US, which certainly makes it intriguing. 
I was crunching a few numbers here. So Influencer Marketing Hub, they've done a study of a lot of influencers. I think this is from earlier this year. And uh, according to them, roughly 50 million people worldwide consider themselves influencers. Wow. And that's if you include TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, all the websites and apps. There are approximately 114 million active YouTube channels approximately 2 billion Instagram users, maybe half of which are actually active, and 1.7 billion TikTok users, of which most actually are active on a daily basis. So you're talking around 3.7 billion accounts on kind of all those platforms. So if we just talked about those three, and then 50 million people consider themselves influencers, that's about one of every 76 people, or 1.3% of people are influencers. So those are pretty long odds. And and obviously, not everybody's trying to be an influencer of those many billions of people. But I mean, 1.3% is small. That's lower than the acceptance rate of Harvard, of MIT, etc. But it's also to be an influencer, you don't have to apply to go to some fancy college or pay money to do it, even though some people would say that they would pay money to become an influencer. So I see why it's appealing for that reason. Yeah, I mean, those numbers don't paint a very rosy picture. And I think they make it very clear how hard it is to really break through. I think one thing that is lost is confirmation bias, right? You only see the success stories. You don't see the stories of influencers who have been trying but haven't been able to make it. Right. And I think a lot of successful influencers tend to say things like creating content consistently over time will typically get you there. And I do think that there's something to that. Most people will give up if they don't see immediate gratification. Yeah. But I would be curious how many people are out there that have been recording YouTube videos every day or Instagram reels or TikToks or whatever and haven't broke through and have struggled with it. I think it's also important to realize that being an influencer probably most of the time is going to be a side hustle of those 50 million people who are influencers. Influencer Marketing Hub suggested that the whole influencer market is worth $21 billion. So that's a lot of money, but that comes out to $420 per influencer. So it's not always going to be really lucrative, even if you make it. Right. So that'll do it for us today. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the Hustle Daily Show. We're a proud part of the HubSpot Podcast Network. Our editor today is Robert Hartwig and our executive producer is Darren Clark. We have a lot more tech and business coverage in our newsletter. So if you're not subscribed, please go get signed up at thehustle.co slash email and we'll catch you tomorrow. Hey, everybody, I got a great podcast to tell you about. It's called Truth, Lies, and Work, and it's brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. On this show, you can join husband and wife team Alan, Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. They actually just did an episode with John Smith, who is the manager and agent of famous Argentinian soccer player Diego Maradona. He talks about in this episode how he was able to manage the global superstar athlete celebrity that Maradona is and was. It's a great listen. You better get out there and check it out. And you can listen to Truth, Lies, and Work wherever you get your podcasts.